Hey, so before we dive into this week's episode, we have a quick ask for you. We're thinking about what to do next with this show now that people are, you know, like a little less at a distance. Like whether the show should keep going. Right. So we want to know, what have you really liked about At A Distance and think we should expand upon? What have you not liked so much and think we should do less of? Or you can just send us some words that describe how you feel about the show. Shoot us an email at atadistance at cpr.org. Again, that's atadistance at cpr.org. Now, on with the show. So, Sam, I keep thinking about this person who I don't even know and who I will never meet and who isn't even alive at this point. Okay, who's this exactly? Well, her name was Edna Boone. I was 10 years old, and my family was the only family in the little town that did not contact the flu. Therefore, my parents became automatic nurses. And who's Edna? Edna was part of an oral history project in Alabama about the 1918 Spanish flu pandemic. I found a video of her talking about her experience on YouTube from 2008. People were buried in the clothes they died in and wrapped in the sheets because there was no way, no one, to wash the bed linens for them. So they were buried in a common grave. And a lot of what Edna said about 1918, it feels like life right now. Some people couldn't go shopping and hospitals were overwhelmed. And Sam, I don't know about you, but I never learned about the Spanish flu in history class. Yeah, me neither. So Edna, she ended her interview by saying basically it should not be that way. I think the only thing I could suggest about that is to be aware that it could happen again. Children need to learn about what could happen. And here we are, and it's happening again. Yeah, it is. So I think it's time for us to catch up on 1918, because we're in this weird moment where we don't know what's going to happen next. But we totally know what happened after that last pandemic more than 100 years ago. And I guess we're living proof that, you know, life does go on. It does, but it is different. If history teaches us anything, it's that plagues and pandemics change everything. Medicine and culture. Politics. Absolutely. So, on this episode of At a Distance, a look back at 1918 and what, if anything, it can teach us in this moment. From Colorado Public Radio, this is At a Distance. Your guide to life in a pandemic. I'm Sam Brash. And I'm May Ortega. We're not at the beginning of this pandemic anymore. We have to start looking at how to live this way in the long run. Right, and in all honesty, we have no idea where we even are in the course of this pandemic. Things might not go back to normal for several months, for several years, even longer maybe. Yeah, so to help us kind of get an idea of how we should be moving through this, I think we need to know what life was like during and after the 1918 pandemic, how it changed communities and the country. 
So we reached out to Monica Shockspana. She's a senior scholar at the John Hopkins Center for Health Security. And Monica, she's a medical anthropologist. Basically, that means she studies how cultures responded to past disasters and uses that to figure out how to deal with current or future pandemics. And Monica says 1918 can teach us a lot. It was remarkable because there were, in a short period of time, a large number of cases and a large number of deaths. Hmm. And it rattled society because it sickened one of every four people. And that means one of every four policemen, one of every four firemen, one of every four doctor and nurse, one of every four parent. So it Mm -hmm. rattled society in terms of the ability to carry out regular functions and run smoothly. And so right now, during this pandemic, social distancing has been our number one tactic to fight the coronavirus. What was the strategy for stopping the Spanish flu from spreading? Well, you know, it's it, it's been over 100 years, and yet that is the very same public health set of interventions. Hmm. So physical distancing was also part and parcel of how they handled the Spanish influenza outbreak in 1918. So health officers set into motion closures of schools, universities, movie theaters, pool rooms. Wow. They shortened business hours. Mm -hmm. Um, They limited the hours that you could travel. They also made sure that any funerals that took place were attended by a few people and held outside and for a short period of time. What are some of the biggest differences that you're seeing right now versus 1918 in terms of how society is reacting? I know there's a lot of similarities, but what is different to you? Well, it's important to remember that the 1918 pandemic influenza took place against the backdrop of World War One, And so what has struck me the most difference is the fact in 1918, there was a stronger sense of fellowship and less forms of social fragmentation. Now, part of that is because we were at war against mm-hmm. a common uh, political enemy. And then the disease entered into that. Today, we don't have that complete sense of pulling together across the board. I don't want to detract from the sense of fellowship that existed then and exists now, but the political fragmentation is very different. Are there things that you can see in ways in which the U.S. culture actually changed following the pandemic? Well, you know, the complicating factor is World War I. Hmm. So a number of family members were serving overseas. There were shortages of doctors and nurses. There was rationing in the United States. And so people Hmm. were used to a significant level of hardship Mm -hmm. that had been imposed by wartime. Also, too... The healthcare arena was not as expansive as it is today. The majority of people died at home. They didn't die in hospitals. So mm. public expectations out of healthcare and out of government um, and out of family were very different back then. Now, fast forward to today, 
It's very different. This pandemic is front and center for everybody right now. And it's not just the disease, right? It's also the economic impacts. So I think the big thing we've all heard about 1918 is that it saw a second spike, that uh, some American cities tried to resume normal life too quickly, and as a result, things are actually worse than they might have had to be. So do you see a lesson in 1918 that says don't open up too quickly? Probably the clearest cut case of that is Philadelphia. It was wartime. There was a big parade. And because of that massive gathering, Philadelphia did experience more cases and more deaths. I think that it is illustrative of what can happen if you reopen society too quickly and interrupt the use of public health interventions like physical distancing. So we've talked a lot about what made 1918 historically remarkable. When we look back at this pandemic, what do you think will stand out as being historically significant? The big takeaway from this is the dramatic way in which the structural inequalities in the United States were demonstrated to us in the morbidity and the mortality statistics, right? Mm -hmm. So social inequality is deadly. That is not a metaphor. Social inequality kills people. And Mm -hmm. I think that's the big takeaway from the COVID-19 pandemic in the United States context. And I believe the pandemic is challenging us to do something about that. But it still remains to be seen whether we will, as a society, grapple with that fact, that social inequality literally kills people. I mean, do you at this point have any ideas of maybe how you think the country will be different five years after we get coronavirus under control? We have the potential to see major transformations in how healthcare is delivered in the United States. I think there is enough unsettling epidemiological data to tell us this is not business as usual. We have to do something transformative. We have to look at something like a national health system so that we have greater quality and greater equity in terms of access to quality health care, mm-hmm. including preventive health care. Monica, how much of that is, is your opinion as a scholar who studies that stuff? And how much is this like just your own personal reaction to <laughs> seeing what you're seeing happen right now? I don't know. Part of it is I've been studying outbreaks for the last 20 years or so, and also studying disasters. And both outbreaks and disasters are major vehicles for social change. And the pandemic is of a scale and scope that change is coming. What the quality or nature of that change is We cannot be certain until it unfolds, Mm -hmm. but change is coming for sure. 
So Monica has some lessons from 1918 that we should apply to today. These aren't really tips so much as big ideas about how to approach the next months and years rooted in the past. Right, like the past. It's going to teach yes. us some things. <laughs> the terrifying past, right? Right. Okay, so first, know that big disasters have happened many times and society just hasn't crumbled into chaos. This pandemic probably is going to change things, but not end things. Our grandparents and our great-grandparents, depending on our generations, did live through a severe and trying pandemic against a world war. They tackled that suffering by helping each other. And with that, Monica says coming together is the best way we're going to make it through this pandemic and future catastrophes. That's how our forefathers and mothers got through something so horrible they pulled together. But while volunteering and flyovers can help with solidarity, it doesn't guarantee the best changes after the crisis ends. That'll take basic democratic participation. If there are changes that people want, they need to expect more of their leaders. And there are ways to change who's in charge. One can protest on the street and also place a vote in the ballot box. And while there are a lot of parallels between 1918 and now, we do have some advantages over the people who suffered from that pandemic, and we should use them. Once a safe and effective vaccine becomes available, be ready to roll up your sleeve. That's going to be important. Okay, Sam, we did this to figure out if 1918 can tell us anything about what's next. So does it? After talking to Monica, do you have like a better idea? No. <laughs> I mean, I, I was really glad I got to learn about the, the history of all that. And I think it did mm -hmm. show that pandemics create massive changes in a society. But it is just such a different time, right? You have a world war. Mm -hmm. You had a different understanding of disease and, and how it works. And you had way more national unity. It it feels yeah. just like a a foreign country almost. And given all that, I just, I can't grasp, like, what happens now. Yeah. Even after we learned about that. Right. I mean, I guess what I wonder is if this pandemic, as it plays out, at least leaves people feeling a little more united. Because that's what happened for Edna, the woman I told you about at the beginning of the episode. It brought families closer together. And it brought our little town closer together. We were like a, a great big family, you might say, because we all suffered losses one way or the other, if not through war, then through the epidemic. Do you think that's one possibility, that we will come out of this closer together because we all experienced this pandemic? I mean, maybe, but I think that really depends on, on how we choose to remember the pandemic itself. Because, uh, like, right now, I guess we are seeing some signs of unity, right? Like, broad support for social distancing policies, support for expanded testing, just kind of those nuts and bolts of public health. Mm -hmm. I'm just not sure if that lasts after we have a vaccine or start going back to work. We might just rewrite history to fit our old political identities. Yeah, like, just collectively kind of forget that it all happened. I can Maybe. totally see that. Yeah, but at least this pandemic is showing us problems that need to be fixed, right? Be it with healthcare or our political systems. 
Yeah, I just think the question is like, what do we agree those problems are after this is all over? What do we choose to remember and what do we choose to forget? At a Distance is a podcast from CPR News. It's hosted by me, Sam Brash. And me, May Ortega. Our producer is Rebecca Romberg. Our executive producer is Kevin Dale. Brad Turner is our head of audio innovations, and he wrote our theme music. Yes, he did. And additional music is from Blue Dot Sessions. Please rate and review At a Distance if you use Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. It really does help people find the show at this difficult time. Colorado Public Radio journalists are here for you to report on this pandemic. We're speaking to health experts and helping to make sense of our changing world. This would not be possible without CPR members. Support our work with a donation at CPR.org. And thank you.